Hey folks, welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Podcast and the Mindset Matters Edition, where I'm joined by my wife and Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. Together, Stephanie and I engage in a conversation about different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters. We believe that we're living in and through one of the most impactful global events in history. And let's face it, few have trained for or are equipped to deal with the life that is unfolding before them. The need to pivot in your business, your career, or perhaps deal with shifting family dynamics lies before many. We hope to inspire you to ask yourself questions or pause to consider how you view your world, your life. We'll invite you to check in on where you are on your journey, and are you still clear on your intended destination, or has it changed? Join us for this in our series of Mindset Matters. Listen in, enjoy. Hey folks, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast, Mindset Matters episode. As always, I am joined by the beautiful, lovely, amazing, super talented, talented, all of those, Stephanie Hanlon, Francie, my lovely wife. Hey, hon. So today we're talking about a number of things, not the least of which is some tools that we use to actually accomplish some of the, I guess, mindset development that we're talking about. Now, we get questions asked because we get into these conversations. So for example, uh, we talked about the existential crisis. There's a lot in that and we were kind of all over the map. But at the end of the day, some of the feedback we get in the segments that we've done is that we mention things like journaling. We mention things like breath work. We mention things like meditation, but we don't go really into it. So we're going to go there today. But before I do that, Let's give it some additional context. You okay with that? Yeah, 100%. When you think about the tools and the how-tos, sometimes that is really where the where the growth can happen. Let's start kind of from the beginning and try and work through this a little bit pragmatically, which is, you know, first and foremost, we have an observation of ourselves that we're not achieving what we want to achieve or we are observing something about ourselves. That, or we're stuck. Or we're stuck. You, of course. And... So first and foremost, there's an observation there. Now, we talked about awareness on a couple of different podcasts where, you know, is awareness a blessing or a curse? And as much as sometimes it feels like a curse because you can't not know what you know, all of those kinds of conversations. But ultimately, we know that awareness is a, is is actually a real blessing. And that starts with, first off, being conscious. Now, one of the things that we see, and I'm guilty of it, Uh, I think everybody is guilty of it at some point. That's just the human and how the human brain works is that we are not present. We're often thinking about the past or we're thinking about the future and we're not present to what's happening. So first off, we have to talk about consciousness and what it takes to, to bring awareness and attention to the moment and to be conscious and not self-conscious, like insecure or whatever, but self-conscious self-conscious, not the self-conscious I put on 10 pounds or not the self-conscious as I'm wearing the wrong outfit, not that self-conscious. But (laughs) But self-conscious. Conscious. So that takes being, first off, having awareness means that you have to be willing and observe yourself. So there's observation. So you have to observe. So this goes back. I'll, I'll share this brief story was, I was, I, I, as I've said many times, Wayne Dyer was such an instrumental player in my life in this journey of self-development and self-awareness. And in one of his books, I don't know which one it was, 
he asks the question, who is the thinker of the thoughts? And what? Well, what? Yeah, that's who, what who, I said. Who are the thinker of what? My thoughts? Yeah. Well, well it was interesting. It, it was it interesting. Again. Who's the thinker of the thoughts? So as I'm sitting here talking to you, looking across at you, I am actually observing myself talking to you. Like there is like this thing. I'm speaking. I'm being aware of what I'm trying to say. So who is the thinker of the thoughts? Because as I'm speaking, I'm also observing myself speaking. Like what the hell? Right? That's a bit of a mind stretch, right? You think about your, like with the athletes that I work with, this is really important that you bring this up because I say, okay, how do we develop what we call our observer self? So when you say, who is the thinker of my thoughts? So it's not me? I'm not the thinker of my thoughts? Wait a sec. Explain that. Well, I don't know that I can explain it in a way that would make sense in this particular conversation, but we have to, because that really gets a lot deeper, I think. But we know that our there is our mind, and then there is the thinker of the thoughts. So that would be maybe the consciousness. That would perhaps be the consciousness. Oh. So when we look at our life and we say there's some dissatisfaction with how we show up, who we think we're being, what we would like to achieve. Maybe our results. Yeah, we want to improve on our results. And we often ask the question, it's not about the result, it's about the who you have to become to achieve the result. So we go through these processes and where we get stuck is that we are really running our life often just with zero self-awareness. They're old habits that we just keep doing over and over again. Every day we go through these things. Kind of like autopilot? Just like autopilot. Wow. We live in autopilot. Our habits are autopilot. So how do we change those habits? We don't even necessarily know that we have them and what's driving them because this goes back to conversations we've had in the past about how our values are often not our values. They're values that we grew up with. They're values that are implanted in our mind by our parents or societal values. And the next thing you know, we're believing and living those values and saying that's who we are, when in fact, it's not who we are. Those are somebody else's values that we're trying to live because we feel like we're being judged. Now, this is a, a way bigger conversation around values and parenting. And I want to be really clear here is that we're not looking for an excuse to blame anybody. You know, we are raised the way we are raised. And, you know, I, I mean, you think, I think about the relationship I had with my parents, specifically with my dad. So, you know, I've shared the story before. I'm totally raised on the wrong side of the tracks. I've got this whole story that I tell myself as a young man growing up, but really their values based on my father, who my father and I never got along. We always fought, but I still lived some of his old values. Now, I'm not blaming my dad for this, by the way. It took me some time to actually bust through all of that. But I had to become aware, self-aware enough to say, this doesn't work for me. I'm not getting the results. I'm not being who I want to be. I'm not attracting the friends. Like, why is my life like this? And this is, you know, many, many years ago, of course, as a young man growing up, and I have these journey of self-discovery. So this isn't about saying, well, my life is a result of my parents and it's my parents' fault, by the way. So that's let's take that one right off the table. But having said that, that took a lot of work. It did. And it's interesting thing is that as we've learned, and of course, even, you know, 
in the, the realm of performance psychology or psychology in itself, is that we are actually a product of how we're raised. And I think we get to a point in our lives where we go, okay, that's how I was raised. This is what I've learned to this point. What if I want something different? Mm-hmm. What if I'm bumping into a pattern of behavior that doesn't resonate with me anymore? What if what if I'm at a stage of life where this served me to this point and now I want something different or I want something more? And I think that is really when when that I you know that kind of that light bulb moment or that aha moment will show up when it's time for us to maybe dig a little deeper. It is. And the point of it is that in order to create change we have to, number one, be aware of it. You know, 99% of what we do on a day-to-day basis, and I think this is even for the, you know, top performers, is being done on autopilot. And it doesn't take a lot of change in order to orchestrate a lot of change. Now, that's a debatable point, and I'm not going to get into it right now. because Ooh, say that, that again. It doesn't take a lot of change. Well, this to thing, actually result in a lot of change. That's a really good point. Well, there's it's trajectory, right? So a, a golf ball hit out at one millimeter at the tee is 300 yards in the other fairway. And it's the trajectory that we set. So that's a different conversation. So I don't want to go down that. The point of it is, is to give illustration in this conversation about the fact that first and foremost, we live a lot of our life on habits and autopilot. We have to become aware of what those are, which means that we have to be conscious of what's happening in our day-to-day, moment-to-moment. And our tendency is to live into the future. I'm so guilty of that. I live into the future. I'm future thinking all of the time. But it's just because you have a really bad memory. I know that's true. <laughs> but no, the, I no, I, I have a, I, just because I don't spend any time in the past. I do not spend any time in the past. What's behind me is not in front of me. I just do not spend any time in the past. Now that's me. There's a lot of people that in fact live their life. And define themselves. Based on their past stories. And I'm of the belief, and I, you know, often will say is that our past doesn't exist. It's not real. It's just what you saw it as through a set of filters. It's all mostly a lie anyways. Well, they also say that our memories are are based on self-preservation. We always are the hero in our own story in the memory. And, and many of times that's self-preservation because our memories are designed to say where we were right, where we were the hero, where I'm a victim, etc. So when you say that, I really get that. And I, I do know I have people in my life that are still defining and building their future based on who they used to be. Well, that's true. And, and there's a lot of people that get stuck who want change but are stuck because of a past story. Or they don't want change because that was their best time of their lives. Well, that's the other side of the equation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So here's a fundamental thing that we get to around. First, we have to be aware. We have to be present. Now, how do you start your day? How do you go through life knowing that, first off, I got to change this, but we find that a year later, six months later, 10 years later, whatever the story is for you, that this has been a thing, but nothing's changed. This is living life on autopilot. So we say that we want to change and we start struggle to create change. And the first thing we have to recognize is that 99% of what we do, and that's by the way data supports that, is repeating old patterns. 
And we have to stop long enough to break patterns, which means that we have to be present, not in the past, not in the future. We have to be present long enough to be the observer, to be the observer of our actions, to be the observer of our thoughts. So we have feelings, then we have thoughts that drive our actions, and then it's a vicious cycle. So we have to break that. How do you disrupt that pattern? How do you disrupt that pattern? There was a, a phrase I heard that you know, neurons that fire together, wire together. Okay, that's good. I know, isn't that that true? And so we have to break those patterns, but we, we often don't slow down long enough to be present to not only how we're feeling, but what we're thinking. So how do we have the conversations with ourselves to quit it, to change it? What is the loop? What are the conversations that we have? So what's so interesting about that is that in my experience with people, they will, well, I can't do that because I'm going to be self-centered. And I go, well, let's flip that around. You're not self-centered. What if you're self-centered? Instead of being self-centered, being egotistical or selfish, why not be centered around understanding yourself so you are more aware of how you're showing up, how you're occurring in the world for other people to receive you, to to acknowledge you, and to see how you occur. So there's a difference between being self-centered, and I can't be self-centered, I don't want to be, you know, being all selfish and all navel-gazing, but what if I'm allowing the space and time to be self-centered, self-grounded? Okay, so... But we're, that's that's a place to get to, or is it? So you got to you got to give I'll me a little more. Expand on that a little bit. Like when I think about journaling, and I I'm, I'm, I I present journaling as a tool to many of my clients, and some of them don't give themselves or think they're worthy of the time that it spends to sit there. And what am I going to write about? You know, what am I going to write about? I'm going to write about myself. What's not working? Well, that's kind of selfish, mm-hmm. and it and it isn't. So when you think about the tool of journaling, we have to create a context of that one of the tools that you and I have used over the years, obviously, is journaling. And journaling, for example, means you have to give yourself time to sit with yourself and your pen. Okay, so I, I'm on that page, but I want to point out a couple of things. Why do we want that pen? Why do we want to actually write something out? Why do we, and I want to get to that. But let, I want to create a foundation for understanding because I tell, I coach clients all the time to use journaling as a tool and they go, I don't know, it didn't really work. And they have all sorts of stories around journaling. But what I've come to realize is that when we want change, we first off, we say we want change. The truth of it is, is that we want everybody around us to change. <laughs> To get ourselves, make it easier for ourselves. If right. you just change. I mean, how many times have you read a book and as you're reading the book, you're going, oh, if Joe would just read that or Sally would just read that. Oh, oh gosh. And you're not even halfway through the book yet. Yeah, Greta needs to read this. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? No, <laughs> that's a really good point, Greta. But, you know, so Greta. So the point is that we we are often seeking change, but the reality of it is, is that we, we end up staying in our patterns, our habitual patterns that we may or may not be aware of. Okay. We stay in them because we just talked about conscious awareness, Mm -hmm. being conscious, but we have a subconscious. And at the end of the day, our subconscious is really what's driving us because our subconscious in behind it wants us to be comfortable. If we're going to change, if we're consciously going to change, 
Our subconscious goes, no, 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 no. What are you talking about meditation? I can give you a hundred reasons not to meditate. I can give you a hundred reasons not to get out of bed a little bit earlier. So that's a subconscious actually that comes to conscious and you think that's what your thoughts are, but they're not. Okay, so <laughs> that's the, good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So we have this constant conscious versus subconscious battle that we're not even know we don't even know what's happening. We actually don't. We're into this habit. So here's where we go. We want to institute change. We're committed to doing that. The next thing that we run into is, of course, and we've seen this many times in the gym on January 2nd, the gym is full. On February second, there's nobody in the gym. You know, and the gym's making money. <laughs> the gym's You're making not money. losing weight. <laughs> they got all those. They got all those. I call we, them the resolution people. Yeah, of course. But but their resolutions are made on their made on you know anniversaries and birthdays and New Year's and all of the rest of it. But why is it that people don't follow through? And ultimately, it's because we've got this battle with self awareness. And if we're going to really make change, we have to become the observer. Okay. So observing our thoughts, what we're, what is our self-talk? What are we, what are we saying to ourselves? Are we often being negative? I am brutal. I beat myself up more than anybody I know. If anybody talked to me the way I talked to myself, I'd kick the yeah, shit out of them. Yeah, you need to change that. I know. I got to quit doing that. You need that. to shift that. I got to shift that. <laughs> so, but, so here we go. So those habits, those loops that we get into are what prevent us from moving forward and most many I don't want to say most because I can't quantify it. I'm sure there's data to support it. But many will want change, but they they can't change. In their world, they can't change. And in their world... And they have all the reasons why. Right. They have all the reasons why. So stop. We have to say, well, why can't I change? And that's where we have to have consciousness. We have to get present. We got to get to a place where we can observe the past, we can observe the future, but we have to get present. So as I said to you, as I was describing, I'm sitting here across from you, we're having this conversation, trying to work through this, I'm trying to put on a great podcast and facilitate. And I'm, you know, I'm observing myself thinking, well, I'm talking to you. I'm an observer. I think you're judging yourself as you're observing ourselves <laughs> talking right. to it's each a, other. I got a lot of going on out there. <laughs> so the point is this, is that when we can do that in our own space, can we actually stop long enough to look at the change and then stay present and have the practice of staying present without making these big changes? It's incremental. Because what happens in, in a book I read many years ago, uh, Stephen Covey, I think it was Stephen Covey, I'm pretty sure it was, The Speed of Trust. Oh, Stephen R. Covey, yeah, his son. Yeah, so we talk about the speed of trust. Now, here's the thing. We look at the speed of trust and we look at it outside ourselves, but we break agreements with ourselves probably every freaking day. And it's like, okay, I'm going to quit drinking Coke or I'm going to lose five pounds or I'm going to not eat that bagel. Like I use diet because that's a, a, often a common one. But whatever it is, you're breaking agreements with yourself all of the time because often those agreements are big. And my suggestion is in this is that if we slow down long enough to notice that we can't even trust ourselves Ooh. to follow through. It's like a little one, you know, when we just give ourselves the moment to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to walk the dogs every afternoon and it's a small agreement or I'm not going to hit the snooze button. Mm -hmm. And then we hit the snooze button 
So we broke an agreement and we lose that trust with ourselves. So this conversation, folks, is not about if you're listening to this, if you're still listening to this, that's great. We are getting to a point. The point of it is this, is that incremental change, how do we make incremental change? Well, one of the ways to do it is to make incremental promises to yourself. So rather than say, I'm going to go to the gym seven days a week, you know, the 60 minutes a session, I'm going to do, you know, three sessions of cardio and, you know, weight lift the rest of the week. You know, rather than make these big commitments, we start incrementally saying, I'm going to go for a walk for 20 minutes a day. That's it. I'm going to go for a walk incremental until we start to rewire the neurons in our brain. So that's one thing to do. Now that's incrementally. So first off, we have to look and self-assess and self-diagnose, if you will. I don't know if diagnose is the right word, but this goes back to what are the tools that we use to get the clutter out of our brain? Now we talk a lot about journaling. And journaling for me over the years has been one of the most powerful tools. So I share a story. Many, many years ago, so when I started this journey, so I'm thinking 30 years ago. No, probably more than that because we've been together, married 26 this year, probably together 30, so, so maybe 35 33. years ago. Yeah. So wow, that's kind of a benchmark. So I'm, I'm coming out of a bad relationship. You actually coach me. You actually say to me, and I'm and I'm pissed off, I'm angry, I've got angst around it, I'm bitter, all the stuff that you get going out of a bad relationship. And you said to me, you said, why don't you write a letter and get it all out in front of you? Like, just write a letter. Just what is it? What's pissing you off? What is it all? So I sat down. In the early evening, I didn't finish writing till like midnight or one o'clock in the morning, and it was my memory of it is, is it's probably like 13 pages. I know it was like crazy and it was both sides of the page. Like I just That's had 26 pages. Exactly. I wrote a book that, but I hand wrote nice. it. Yeah. And, and I just remember waking up in the morning going, oh my gosh, I just think I lost a lot of weight. Like it was this huge monkey off my back. It was the most powerful experience to this day, I still remember the sensation of the weight that had been lifted. Now, I was early on in my kind of self-development journey, but and I didn't even know I was on that journey, by the way, but that was really profound. And I always remember, we joke about it now, but you go, <laughs> so now the next thing to do would be to, to burn, take, it, to burn yeah. that and let it go. So where where is it? Where is it? And I I mailed it. Oh, no, <laughs> no, go, no, 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 no. No, you weren't supposed to mail it. <laughs> I go, okay, well, Oops. I felt good about it. So anyways, the that's the funny part of the story. But the profound part of it was how much I was carrying around in my head. The intellect that I lived in back in those days was so strong. And it was such a powerful way for me to dump the hard drive and... So let's talk about that. So we, yeah, I think the permission to get it out there without judgment. Like when you were writing, I just remember you telling me later is like I just was able to you know say everything I needed to say without judgment, and I just wanted to express my feelings. I wanted to talk about the difficult stuff. I wanted to talk about you know the stress and the anxiety, and I wanted to get it out there. 
And when we do that and we get it out in front of us and we put it on paper now, of course, in tablets or whatever, but I, I still say pen to paper is the best way to get all this stuff out, is that it allows us to create an environment where we can actually have greater empathy for ourselves and for the other person, maybe even. Yeah, 100%. But we have to stop long enough, as I said earlier, is to be present and observe. And some of the observation you might ask yourself. So here's some questions for you that you know I share with our listeners is how much time do you spend in the past? You know, as an adult, for example, how much time do you spend? Some of you will spend time for sure. I've asked this question many times, which is in any given day when you're making a decision, and let's say I'm thinking about buying a new car, I'm going to buy a new dishwasher, I'm going to change jobs. You're going to do something that's bigger than just going shopping. And you ask yourself, you ask yourself, the minute you say, well, I think I might buy a new car. And you ask yourself, I wonder what mom or dad will say about that. <laughs> right. So these are things that just observation, not to make it wrong, but I mean, if you're a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old, who, quite frankly, cares what your parents think? You know, you your parents just want you to be happy, But what if healthy. it's an unconscious barrier, the, right? Right. So ask yourself that question. Or what is the past? What is How much time do you spend thinking about what you did a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago? Are you living in regret? Are you talking about me? Because I remember very little. I have no, uh, yeah, past. I mean, I've got a great memory, but yeah, you do. The gift about living in the present is that, like, if for me, when I'm living in the present, I'm making decisions in the present, and I take the result of the decision and move forward. So I very, very rarely have regret. Exactly. So yes. Yeah, so I don't. We, we're but we've done a lot of training. So this is what this conversation is about. We don't live in the past. We I'm so guilty of living in the future that I have to bring myself back often. Uh, I'm blessed to have some people in my life that call me on my shit all the time if I'm future thinking because it's usually doom and gloom thinking. Right, but also just don't step over that. Is that future thinking is also where anxiety lives. Mm -hmm. In the past, we we kind of. If we live in regret or or that's where depression can live. Mm -hmm. And we swing forward on the pendulum to the future. And because the future is unknown, that's where anxiety lives. So when we think about people that are in our in our world and our clients or our friends that go, they're they're swinging on the pendulum between the past and the future. Anxiety lives in the future. And that's people are medicated because they can't, they can't they're in they live in anxiety. But the truth is we nobody knows the future. You know, when you think about the pendulum swing from the anxiety of the future to the depression of the past or the regret or what I've done, what if that pendulum just so, can kind of just gently swing and land in the middle? That's what we're trying to get to. Ultimately, to be present, to know that things are unfolding the way they need to unfold. And yes, there's future planning. I get all that because I know that those are the things that are people but are thinking right now. that's different than goal setting yeah, and all, envisioning. That's different. different. It's all right. So we... The point is, is that do you give yourself time to be present? Okay, so first off, observation. Notice the conversation you're having with yourself. Are you 
talking in your mind, are you having conversations with yourself about what your parents would think? That's just one example. Are you living in a world of regret? Are you living with, oh, I shouldn't have done that? So are you hanging out in the past, first off? Secondly, are you future thinking, worried about the future, thinking about what's going to happen and what may happen? Like, So first off, you have to have the observation of that. And observe the thinker of the thoughts. Be present and do that. Now, we say to ourselves, so now what? Okay, this is where journaling comes in. We're going to talk about journaling. I'll talk a little bit about meditation. The tool is journaling. Now, why do we use the tool called journaling? So journaling is so profound. If you've never journaled before, or for those who have but want to take it to a next level, let's talk about that. So first and foremost, here's the fundamental to me about journaling, which is I'm going to dump the hard drive. That's it. You know, I look at it that way. You know, for those of you who are uh, old enough to know and think about an old style hard drive, you had to defrag the hard drive. You know, our brains are similar in a lot of ways is that we can only carry so much information and then all of a sudden it just starts to loop. How many times are you having the conversation? Now, the power in journaling is that when you take it and get it out of your head onto paper, Physically, I, I'm a big fan of doing that. I've done both. I've, I've journaled as in a Word document. I get it on my keyboard. You know, I've come back every time. I use electronics. I use an iPad and I use Notability. Notable? Notable. Notable. And, but so I'm writing. For me, that there's a cathartic part of that that makes sense. I don't care if I can read my notes or not, although I always try and write neatly. I doesn't matter. That's not the point of it. That's all part of being present. So... We dump the hard drive, which is to say random thoughts. It doesn't matter what it is. This is the thing is how do I journal? Just start writing words, whatever comes into your brain. There's all sorts of different ways to journal. And first off, make the commitment. And I'm going to spend five minutes, 10 minutes, or 15 one minutes. Sentence. One sentence. Well, I, I would ask you to commit more than one sentence. Well, for me, what, what happened back in the day when I was really, you know, stuck, I would start with one sentence. Is that either something that was traumatic or something that I was feeling or something I was judging about myself? And that opened the door. But it, I just said, I just kind of, just one sentence. And then it would open the door to to more. There's a couple of great apps, by the way, where you actually, you know, three things you're grateful for, an opportunity to journal, but always some gratitude. And this is, you know... This is something that I've off of trying, as I'm doing this, this is always good. We always do these podcasts. They're always good for us. It's always about us, by the way, <laughs> because we're just, sorry doing, about that. we're doing the work. But the point is this, is that, you know, journaling brings us back to being present. You have to be present to journal. And what happens is if you say, oh, well, I'm going to journal, you make a commitment to it. Don't make this huge commitment to it that I'm going to do it, you know, half an hour every day. Guess what? Get up 10 minutes early make some notes. What am I grateful for? It just changes your state, Yeah. but be the observer of your thoughts and start to get them out in front of you and dump the hard drive. What happens is, is that when you get rid of all of these old thoughts, and this is one of the powers of journaling, is if actually you just start writing and if you, if you happen to have a half an hour and you just write stuff, I'll tell you what, a lot of things come up and don't worry about it. It doesn't have to be structured. Just who cares about spelling? Stream of consciousness onto your page is often all you need to do. But what's that, what that is doing 
is it's getting all of those thoughts out in paper. What's powerful about journaling is this. Your brain goes, oh, I don't need to think about that anymore. I've written it down. I'm a genius. So you don't have to think about it anymore. Subconsciously and consciously, your brain has said to you, no need to talk about that. No, no need to worry about that. I got this. You wrote it down. No problem. What you're doing is you're clearing up space. You're creating capacity to actually have creative thoughts and to be the observer at the next level because then another layer of stuff comes up. But you have to get through it through those layers. Always. I think that that's a really good way to say it. One of the things that, you know, it's funny, you know, when we were selling our house in Edmonton, we were there for, I don't know, 17 or 27 years. I, I don't know. But as we were going downstairs and pulling out the stuff from the storage, I found about 20 some journals that I had written since I was eight, eight years old. Yeah, we've got journals laying all over the house. Everywhere. And what's so powerful about it is that if you go back and look at it, there's some mass, there's some messages in there. There's some lessons and there's some repetitive, I don't know, patterns in there. But one of the things I really learned is that I had to think highly enough of myself to spend time alone with my journal, my pen, and myself. And that's, I think, what, what I would love to be able to, met, you know, to share today is that, you know, think highly enough of yourself. To do the work. To do the work, just to spend time. And, you know, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but just to write down one sentence would be a good start. But when I really got that I was worth the time to Mm. get my thoughts out on paper and to, you know, really reflect and take the time to to say how what I feel matters. What I feel matters. Yeah, I think that's so great. When you give yourself the gift of that time, Now, I know that there's probably parents that are listening to this and go, when am I going to do that at five o'clock in the morning? Well, maybe, or maybe you're doing it before you go to bed, but it really, these are the incremental changes, the promises to yourself, little promises to yourself that you will do and that you can fulfill on. And that is actually, you know, the speed of trust. As you start to do that, you trust yourself more to do that. We want change but we have to orchestrate change, but it isn't one fell swoop. It isn't losing 10 pounds in a week. five minutes. It's 10 pounds over three months, whatever the case is. The point is, is always incremental change. Now we've covered a lot of ground. I want to keep talking. I want to get into meditation a little bit. Okay. Well, let's just like wrap up um, journaling. journaling. Yeah. Yeah. Let's wrap that up for a second. Is that again, when you know, like remember back in the day with little girls, we would have a journal and had a little key and a lock because it is confidential. It is you and you. It's you and your spiritual self, possibly. It's you and your consciousness. And when we do that and we understand that there is a a, a place that we can express ourselves and feel comfortable and feel safe and feel that whatever is, you know, shit showness is happening in our brain, that it's not judged, Right. Well, it's it's not judged. And so, yes, these are thoughts that come out. And ultimately, what we're trying to do, we're actually, the intention of journaling is this, just dump the hard drive. I wouldn't have an expectations of journaling. If you're just starting out, don't have an expectation of it. That, that would be my guidance. Mm-hmm. You know, stream of consciousness let it start to come out. And and then if you go down a path, if you go down, if you find a rabbit hole to go down, go down the rabbit hole. 
it's amazing what I've, you know, I, I remember early on when I started journaling, like I found myself often, probably, well, I say often, I found myself in tears. Yeah. Like all of a sudden shit started coming up for me because I'd gone down this rabbit hole of, you know, when I was a young man and all this stuff with my dad and all these things that were coming up. But it was just, it was great. It was very, I guess, I don't know if it was healing. cathartic, but it was healing, right? All I did was get rid of it. But those were kind of some deepest, darkest subconscious thoughts. And connection to your past. Connection to the past. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing about that. I, I'm going to keep saying it is that our brains are, are really funny that way. They actually let go of stuff that you get out in front of you. And I rarely, rarely read my journals. Yeah. When I, I found those 20 journals when we were moving, I opened them up and started reading them. And you know what? I'm ready to let them go. Well, it's, it's a marker. I mean, I've, I've glanced at past journals, but it's just a marker. So, you know, the thing about this, folks, is that we're, we're spending a little bit of time on this whole concept of journaling, but there is a process to it. You know, consciousness, being present, understanding that you've got a lot on your mind. And the, one of the ways and one of the most effective ways to get stuff off your mind is to get it out in front of you, write it on a piece of paper, because that's the trick your brain plays on you going, oh, okay, great. We don't, I don't need, I need, I don't need to hang on to this anymore. And it's in a very effective way. So that's that part of it. Okay. I don't, there's, and there's different ways to journal, by the way. There is. And you know, on the internet, you just have to Google how to journal, but you know what, when you, when you find out your way and you find your rhythm and you find what it is that you do, I always start with, you know, have I had some wins? You know, what, what, what am I prepared to let go of? And I don't know if you know this about me, Patrick Hun, is that I have one of my journals is called WTF. So I have a what the F journal, like when I judge the world or I judge what the hell is happening in the world, what is going on, and I write it down. It's in my, it's in a, in a column called WTF. And then I don't have to worry about it, judge it, look for things on the internet to be supported, but I have a WTF where I can put down all my judgments and all my, oh my gosh, is this really happening? So that I can be present to what is. And when I'm dealing with my clients, my athletes or myself or us in our relationship or the dogs, I can be present to what is because I've already put the WTF and I've written it out that first thing in the morning. Okay. So thank you for that. That's awesome. Now I'm going to take this off on a different track because just briefly, and then we're going to wrap it up because we've already gone too long. So here we go. How do you get present to journal? And how do you get present? And how do you practice being conscious? How do you practice being present? And, you know, we often, you have made me really aware over the years of my breath. And you still give me a hard time sometimes about holding your breath, holding my breath or or shallow breathing, (laughs) shallow breathing, right? But my breath is very good. Like my posture is actually really good. I've had people go, Francie, what do you got to stick up your ass? Like what is with that? <laughs> so, but that comes from breath. Yeah. So posture is a result sometimes of Well, you need breath. to have your lungs and your diaphragm and your solar plexus up in order to be able to let the breath come in through your body, which shows up as posture. Okay. Yes. So here's the thing. To be present, be present to your breathing, breathing into your belly. So how do we do that? 
So first off, you have to remember to breathe. We joke about that all the time. How many times do we say to somebody, remember to breathe? Remember to breathe. Remember to breathe. Why do we say that? We actually say that. We know they're breathing. To survive, but not to be present. But not to be present. So when you say to somebody, remember to breathe, it brings them to the moment. So I had a coach many years ago who I'm sitting there in a meeting and we're chatting and all of a sudden I hear his phone bong. It's like a bong. I go, what the hell is that? <laughs> what? What are we, what are you doing? And he goes, no, I have it. It's set every hour. It's a reminder for me to breathe. Yeah. So there's little hacks that we have to have and technology is great. And can you take a moment to remember to breathe? Now it's not the breath is very important, by the way. Yes, breathe into your belly. Put your hand on your belly if you have to. Breathe in through your nose. Exhale. Ooh, even that was nice. Thank you. So the point of it is, is that it brings you to the moment. And so when we have the conversation or we can talk a lot about breath and uh, the effect of breath and how to reduce stress and all of those things, right now we're talking about being present. So... I'm going to journal in the morning. I'm going to sit in my chair to journal. It's my favorite chair. It's my thinking chair. (sighs) I'm going to breathe, which gets me present because what am I thinking about? My breath. Then when I'm present, I'm now in that breath, have made a commitment for the next whatever time period. I'm going to journal. Hmm, I love that. And that's what I do. And I, sometimes I'm journaling. I literally am journaling. I have no idea what I'm journaling about. I would love right now for our listeners to see what you're doing. You've got your little pen in the air <laughs> and you're like writing like in air, the air. In the air. Are you, are you watching me? Yeah, I am. Okay. It's so good. So folks, you know, this really is a podcast about some tools and the power of journaling. Remember to breathe. Two little tips. Be present. Notice the observer and observe your thoughts. Observe your self-talk. Be the observer of you. You're not observing others. You're just observing yourself. What is your self-talk? What is the conversation you're having with yourself? Are you remembering to breathe? Are you being present? Are you being future thinking? Observe that. As I'm observing myself right now, having a conversation, I'm observing that. Now, Who is the thinker of the thoughts? That's for you to dig into. So (laughs) let me just add something there is know that you're worthy of the time, of the thoughts, of the time to spend journaling. And I, I remember back in the day when I didn't, you know, give myself enough credit or didn't think I was worthy because I was, you know, I was raised to think that my whole life was about contribution and helping other people, et cetera, but I wasn't worthy. And when I shifted that and said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to start really small with a little bit of journaling, with a little bit of self-talk. And I started to change the self-talk in my head. You know, I started to treat myself like, you know, as if I was somebody that was important. There you go. Incremental, one step at a time, very methodical. Keep little promises to yourself that you will do this. And if you don't journal every day... That's, That's fine. Okay. If you journal literally once a week, Sundays I'm going to get up early and I'm going to journal. That's fine. Start somewhere. It doesn't. You don't have to go all in and make these huge commitments and these 
promises. Profound. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, don't. Yeah. yeah. No. So, folks, Stephanie, thank you for your insights. Thanks for sharing. And, uh, folks, anytime you got some feedback, we are always appreciate it. CEO at reincanada.com. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Well, we'll talk well, next we week. Well, we will. Hope you'll listen. Thanks, son. That was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.